It's the story of an American held in a dark Venezuelan prison. Then all of a sudden, they all kind of lined up. They pointed their guns at me. And this is the point where I thought, I'm going to die today. I'm Becky Bruce. I spent a year working on Hope in Darkness, which now has more than 2 million downloads. Find it on kslpodcast.com or wherever you listen to podcasts. It's time to get outside. This is KSL Outdoors, brought to you by Bear River Lodge. Two hours of stories and information on hunting, fishing, and high adventure. Our host is Tim Hughes on KSL News Radio. Navi will have your fish bites coming up here in uh, just a little while. We're sneaking away for President's Day weekend. How many years have we done this to Steamboat? Um, you've been with us about five or six years, but I think we've been doing this, my wife and I, going back 20 years. Yeah, and you're staying a whole lot longer than we are because I've got to be back to work on Tuesday, but you guys Yeah, are... we're we're there, um, I want to say 15 days. Nice. Yep, no, I'm not going to complain. A lot of good Mexican food at Vaqueros in Steamboat, Colorado, if you ever get there. <laughs> not just Vaqueros, but yeah, Colorado <laughs> in general, I find, has some of the best Mexican food yeah. ever. Bob Grove is still with us here uh, this morning, and you set us up with a fun conversation next. Do you want to set this up? I, I Yeah, I do. Um, this, You know, I met this uh, gentleman a few years ago. Mark and I were hiking on the Hop Valley Trail in the Kolob section, in near the Kolob section of Zion National Park, and uh, we were traipsing through deep sand, and we saw these folks on these mules ahead of us wishing we were on one of those ourselves trying to get through that sand. But anyway, we met this gentleman, Casey Lofthouse, who's quite a celebrity here in Hurricane Valley. He, uh, he's got he's got a name here, then uh, a very popular guy. But he also has a, re- a very popular YouTube channel, Casey's Recovery, where he, uh, he goes out and rescues people who get stuck in the backcountry of southwest Utah, all over southwest Utah, especially <laughs> up in Sand Hollow. It seems like they're always getting stuck up in Sand Hollow. But Casey's got a lot of stories. He's a very interesting guy. He's become a good friend over the last few years. And I thought it would be fun to have him on and talk about some of these experiences he's had. Even recently this week on the uh, snowy roads of southern Utah. Oh, yeah. He was out there rescuing people. Well, Casey, welcome. Hey, I'm glad to be here. A chance meeting turned into great things for us, and we're we're glad to be on the show with you guys today. Well, well, when I first heard that you did a recovery service, I wasn't surprised you're connected with Bob. Figured you were helping him with some of his addictions of his childhood, but uh, it's a it's a different kind of recovery. Uh, I, I walked into that one. <laughs> yes, you did. Yeah, you did. <laughs> Uh, so give us just a little thumbnail sketch on, I mean, is it a tow truck? Is it a big truck with a winch or is it all the above? Well, it pretty, for for me, it's pretty well all the above. I have quite the fleet of, uh, I call them tools. My wife calls them toys, but they, uh, they, they range from a Jeep Cherokee, a Jeep XJ, uh, that's set up with winches, the whole nine yards, as well as a, a Jeep JK, which is a newer model with the you know, all the lockers and the whole nine yards. And then I've got military five-ton trucks, and I've got an old tracked vehicle called a Nodwell, which is basically an all-season, all-terrain snowcat. Wow. Um, mud, snow, sand, it don't matter. It li- it likes to go. And then I've also got a, uh, a, a specific vehicle for the snow. It's just a regular thigh-call snowcat. So we have quite the fleet of vehicles. 
Um, and we have quite the myriad of rescues in all types of different situations and seasons. So, How do you decide which one to take with you so that you don't get to the, you know, the rescue spot and then have to go back for a different machine? Well, sometimes you just need an excuse to take a couple of them with you. I, I don't mind having a little <laughs> redundancy in my rescues. So your wife is uh, right. These are toys. These, these are toys. I mean, it, it, <laughs> it's hard to believe that a guy in the modern day can go to work every morning and absolutely love what he does. I've been blessed to to have the opportunity to go out and do this for a living, and uh, it it's it is a lot of fun. And uh, but we take it serious the seriousness that deserves as well. So. Yeah, for sure. Um, so any rescues that come to mind right off the top of your head doesn't have to be recently. Well, I I do quite a few wild rescues. Um, Bob did mention the Hop Valley area, and I kind of felt bad that I couldn't rescue him that day because it was hot and miserable down there, and he was trudging through very deep sand. But uh, it was a chance meeting, and it was it was a good thing. But we've had so many recoveries over the last little while. Um, if anybody's familiar with the Rocky Ford Trail, um, it comes off the top of the mountain over there in kind of south-central Utah, and it's a little it's barely wide enough for a four-wheeler. And somebody brought this to my attention the other day that I went down that in a Jeep Cherokee and rescued a full-size Chevy pickup that looks like it had been through the war because it's so tight you're literally scrubbing on the trees. So it had little pinstripings depressed into the tin on the side of this poor thing. Mm. And you get out there and you're completely overwhelmed because it's really steep country. And we did a lot of winching and uh, spend a couple hours getting that thing out of there. That was one of the bigger ones we've done that kind of comes to mind is what am I doing here by myself helping this guy by, you know. <laughs> so but, I've, had, I've had some wild ones. Uh, just it's amazing where people will drive their vehicles trusting a GPS, and uh, it's, it's pretty rough and tumbling out there when you get headed down a road that your gps tells you to go on and it's dark or whatever the case might be and then you know you get in i think a lot of people get in the panic mode yeah and uh they get too far down a trail and that's the end of that navi you and i've had this conversation on several different levels uh, and particularly with snowmobiles when we talked to roger eggett the machines of the day the technology of the day and this goes for skis it goes for some snowmobiles it goes for jeeps get you places you probably should not be. And so it's important to know the area that you're going before you go. You know, I think what he said two times was the GPS gets you in trouble because you feel uh, comfortable because the GPS says you can go, but that GPS is a liar, a damn liar. And you got to be very careful with that. I think your own brain sometimes are better than GPS. Yeah, and it's not only in a, uh, always in a uh, motorized vehicle, Bob. You guys were trudging through the sand. People forget when you get to your destination, you're only halfway done with the trip. Yeah, I, I've, I've been on so many tours, you know, guiding and uh, driving the van, using the GPS, and I get they start sending me through neighborhoods. And I'm going, I don't think we should be in this part of town. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and you just trust that GPS, you know, with your life. And sometimes that's not good. Yeah. But, you know, you know, there's one thing I wanted to ask Casey here. You know, one of the it seems like one of the most uh, popular or, or more frequent videos that I see on his channel are rescues in Sand Hollow. Of course, that's a place that many people know because it's become such a popular recreation area. 
but you know, Casey, I see you coming in and rescue you guys. They drive their full-size motor coach size RV out into that deep sand and go wonder why we got stuck. Oh, you know, and a lot of other yeah. types out there, you just, you got to wonder what they were thinking. Well, and it's interesting. We have quite a few big events um, in Southern Utah, um, UTV takeover, trail hero, Utah four wheel drive association comes down. We do the winter four before Jamboree and there's just a huge huge number of events that we have here and a lot of times it's interesting because we'll have 1200 rvs and motor motor coaches show up and there's just nowhere to put them except that big flat sand beach (laughs) and so we basically plan on hauling them out and hauling them out you know hauling them off when they're done but it is pretty interesting where people are willing to take these big fancy motorhomes and and triple axle toy haulers and their big dually trucks but we we um we have d5 dozers there for the events and we have all my big equipment there and so we we pull them in nice and easy and get them set up on their camp and this last year turned into an absolute disaster because on friday night the wind or actually it was saturday night the wind came up and started blowing and a lot of the people had unhooked their rigs, so guess what that did? All of a sudden, the sand started shifting, and all these big fancy motorhomes oh, and no. uh, fifth wheel RV trailers were falling off their blocks. Well, you probably have to become <laughs> so, you probably have to become like marriage counselor too, because Mama's sitting in the passenger seat saying, oh, "I told you not to go this way." There has been a few um, wife calming conversations. I've gotten pretty good at the routine of calming <laughs> down mama, but yeah. um, usually as long as we don't tear stuff up and everybody comes out alive, that's the ticket. But we've had so much fun at these events, and you're right. They they are willing to take those motor coaches and vehicles places. I don't think I'd want to take mine. We have less than a minute here. Have you ever pulled up on one or been called out on one where when you got to the area or to the scene and took a look at it, you said, I, I can't help you. There's no, I, I'm not even going to tempt fate here. Well, I, I have called in for reinforcements from the, not from the Illinois national guard, but I have called for reinforcements and says, I need another outfit here. I need more help. Let's get a, let's get the five ton roll and bring the nod. Well, I want, you know, so there's times where I'm not going to give up till I get you out, but I, I want better equipment and I want to make sure that, uh, I get you out. I need like eighteen theme music in the background with that thing coming around the corner to yep. save you. Uh, tell people where to find you on online, and maybe it's a number you want to have handy in your speed dial. Yeah, so they can find us at Casey's Recovery dot com. They can also look us up on YouTube under Casey's Off Road Recovery, and our dispatch number is four three five six eight eight zero one one eight. We'd love to help you out when you get in a crazy situation out in the back country of Southern Utah. Casey, thanks so much. Thank you. Thanks for having me, Bob. Appreciate you. You, you bet. Going to take a break. We'll get some fish bites from Navadomskis when we return. It's the story of an American held in a dark Venezuelan prison. Then all of a sudden, they all kind of lined up. They pointed their guns at me. And this is the point where I thought... I'm going to die today. I'm Becky Bruce. I spent a year working on Hope in Darkness, which now has more than 2 million downloads. Find it on kslpodcast.com or wherever you listen to podcasts. Had a dream, Bubba had a wish. To find 
find himself a woman that loved a fish. One day at the tackle shop, his dream came true, and now for everyone he catches, she catches too. Hey, Bubba! Let's talk fish bites for a minute here with uh, Navadomskis. You were uh, mentioning to me that you are thinking about taking your fly fishing class down to, where was it, Panguitch Lake? Yeah, I'm not thinking about it. I committed to it. Um, Yeah, if you can remember back to our float tube days, our last trip was to Minersville, and we didn't do very well. We only caught six fish, and by the way, that's not my reputation. We uh, we fill up. We catch lots of fish. We need a minimum of a hundred fish. So I told them I'd make it up to it. They were like fine with it. But I says, no, I'm taking you. So we we picked Panguitch. We're going to fish Panguitch. We wanted to fish a southern Utah lake. And when the ice comes off, we're going down. And like I say, it's a promise. It's not a thinking about. Well, I only bring it up because in the next half hour, we'll connect uh, again with uh, Bob Grove and Mark Wade. And I think, matter of fact, I know Bob Grove has some connections down there uh, at the Panguitch Lake Lodge, along with some other things. So maybe we can twist his arm to uh, start making plans to go down there. That'll be a lot of fun. Yes, it will. What do you want to talk about? What do you want to talk about this morning? Well, again, I was thinking about the, the, the two uh, summer fish. These are two fish that go dormant that are a big part of our fishing, particularly in the summer months, and they would be the cutthroat and the brookie. So I eliminated the cutthroat as a discussion piece because that will stand alone. When you talk cuts, you're talking so many different kinds of cuts. The strains are many. So I'll hold that one off till next week, and let's talk about the brook trout. Oh, yeah. Okay, so the brook Brooks, trout Brooks, isn't Brooks. a trout. Let me just say that um, it's Salmonellus fontanellus, which is a char. Um, by the way, um, Mackinac or char, brook trout or char, they're all in the same family. They're not trout at all. Um, we got them from Manitoba, Canada back in the 30s. Um, they gave them to us, and we put them into barrels carried by mules. Up into the U.N. as was our first goal, but the Boulder Mountains was a destination for those eggs, and uh, they did really well. In fact, the Boulder Mountains, you could argue, is one of the greatest brook trout fisheries in the world. Um, it's so terrible in my mind that uh, Utah doesn't really want to support the brookies anymore. We say that it competes against our, our cutthroat. You know, brook trout are hardy fish. And they are wonderful to catch and wonderful to eat. And, and because they're prolific, you're not going to hurt the fishery by eating brookies. So let's talk about them. Um, like, again, they're underestimated by most people, but they are hard fighting, pound for pound, the hardest fighting fish there is. And delicious, nothing sweeter than brook trout. But they're char, and that's why, because they're mean. Uh, they, they, like, hit it hard, and they roll. Uh, a lot of fish wiggle as they fight. Um, we say um, rainbows have a, you know, a, a knocking, you know, a knocking, a head shake knocking. But the the brookies roll. They roll circular, so it's really fun to catch them. Um, they're all over this country because they're so hardy. In Colorado, every stream has got them in it. We don't have as many with them. But we have them, and, but they tend to be a little small here. Um, brook trout go dormant. See, that's their beauty in the winter months. And until you get about 42 degrees Fahrenheit, they won't wake up. And that's how they'd be able to endure 
such very difficult fisheries, like high-altitude fisheries where it's incredibly cold, they just dorm it up. They just shut right down, get one heartbeat a minute, um, and survive. And then they they wake up in the spring, and then they go on a feeding frenzy. Um, They literally have to eat all their calories in three months. So they're crazy eaters, and they'll eat literally anything, including each other. I mean, you could be bringing in a brookie in one of our Utah lakes or Uetta lakes, and if you got your polarized lenses on, you see them fighting. Then all of a sudden you see others trying to bite him, and you're like, hey, look at Barnes. He's in trouble. Let's eat him. Um, so, yeah, they, they really will. Let yeah. me tell you what so, I was So he's, a to- he's toast anyway. We might as well get a part of the party, huh? Right? He's like in trouble. Let's, he can't defend himself. <laughs> Um, when I was a kid, I used to go up in the U.N. and I would take a bag of rice and a box of butter and, and just endure for a week, and it was kind of fun. But what I would do is I'd take my brookies and I'd clean them and put them on my stringer to keep them cool, and they keep trying to swim away. The next morning I wake up, they're still trying to swim away, and they have no guts. <laughs> so they're incredibly hardy fish, and they're lovely. They're beautiful. They transition to these gorgeous colors with gorgeous spots, particularly the males. And that happens in the fall. Um, and so, like, October, they're just bright and vibrant, and they get that type shape. They morph. They're amazing. And then, of course, they shut down for the winter after they spawn. So, unlike cuts, they don't spawn in the spring. They spawn in the fall. I love that information. Here's the thing. When I, when I was a kid growing up and I'd go fishing occasionally because we lived in L.A. and my grandpa was in Idaho, uh, brook trout were always just tiny fish to me, but you mentioned the Boulder Mountains. There's some sizable brookies that come out of there. Yeah, all the records are from there. And yeah, you can you can uh, look a 20 inch brookie is a pig. Yeah, but I, I remember just floating a little worm underneath uh, you know some of the overhanging shrubs, and it was yep. like every time you let it drift in there, bang, you'd catch one. And just great memories of doing that with my grandpa. Brook trout are lovely. Yeah. They're lovely. All right, uh, stand by. Coming up after the top of the hour, Dax will join us. Uh, our big game coordinator, Dax Mangus, going to be talking about keeping the big game and your dog safe this time of year. It's the story of an American held in a dark Venezuelan prison. Then all of a sudden, they all kind of lined up. They pointed their guns at me. And this is the point where I thought, I'm going to die today. I'm Becky Bruce. I spent a year working on Hope in Darkness, which now has more than 2 million downloads. Find it on kslpodcast.com or wherever you listen to podcasts.